Myself, Lauren, and Leo. Welcome to the Boo Crew Podcast, episode 314, a celebration of the very best genre in cinema, the arts, the music, the lifestyle of horror. This time around, you are joined by award-winning actor Alicia Cuthbert. We talk horror, alien abductions, and a walk through her fantastic career from Are You Afraid of the Dark to the splatter films she made with the director of multiple Oscar-winning films in a 70s and 80s genre legend to the game-changing House of Wax remake and so much more. Plus, she gets you pumped for her brand new chiller, The Cellar, which is amazing. Shot on location in a gorgeous haunted house in Ireland in theaters and on Shutter April 15th. So what you waiting for? Head downstairs for episode 314 with Alicia Cuthbert now slaying. Woo! Yeah, it's pretty impressive. It's so ugly. You know, when I was a kid, I would have loved to have lived in a place like this. What's in there? That's the cellar. It's filthy. I like to think of it as character. Mom, Dad, get me out! Hang on, Ellie! Dad, come on! Mom, get me out! I'm done here. I need you to watch Steven tonight. So you're leaving us here on our first night. Go down and check the circuit breaker. No, I'm scared. There's 10 steps to the bottom. Count each step. Can you do that? One, two. You're doing great, Ellie. Keep counting. Three. Ellie! Ellie! We've talked to her friends, but no leads, unfortunately. Something happened in the cellar. What about this? It's definitely a representation for a dimension. There's symbols above all the doors. An ancient evil. Delta. Point vector. Epsilon. There's something in there. It looks like Ellie. It's here. Bloody Disgusting's Boo Crew via the Speakeasy Studio is a multi-award-winning storyteller whose eclectic choices and roles have made her a vital part of some of the most influential film and TV projects ever made. Her early work includes the gateway horror classic, the Are You Afraid of the Dark series, to Disney and popular mechanics for kids. There was the unforgettable comedies like Old School and the coming-of-age classic The Girl Next Door. The latter, a perfect example of one of the things that is 
so compelling about her. It's her curiosity, her fearlessness, and yearning to take risks. And in earning the role of Kim Bauer, she helped change the small screen forever with the 20-time Emmy-winning action drama 24. And that's just it. Everything she does is something new, inspired, and different. And she's got the emotional depth, the raw likability, and charisma to bring us all in. Her loosely inspired remake of House of Wax back in 2005 has shown through because of those reasons as the hidden gem of 2000s horror and is why her ABC sitcom Happy Endings created a devoted fan following and praise from everyone including Esquire and Rolling Stone who called it the funniest show on TV and part of why The Ranch was honored with three Emmys. She's back to make us all fall into a completely different character from any she's played before yet again. It's Kira Woods, a woman whose daughter mysteriously disappears inside the family's new home. It is The Cellar. It's in theaters and on Shutter April 15th. It's atmospheric. It's haunting. It's beautiful. We're so honored to welcome the iconic Alicia Cuthbert. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Oh my gosh. Can I just take that intro and play it for my husband and family every morning? That was just a joke. That was a damn delight. Wow. Well, much deserved. Are you kidding me? We yeah. follow your career so forever. Sweet and so nice and so well articulated. I was yeah, I need to play that for the family every day. Oh, well, congratulations on this new film and, and thank, thank you, you for all that you've done and continue to do, bringing all these Amazing Gosh. stories to life. So yeah, the yeah. genre is so fun too, right? Like you, you, it's so funny. You mentioned, are you afraid of the dark? Cause I like, wow. Yeah. It kind of all started in a little bit of the genre itself, you know, obviously popular mechanics for kids, but then going off and doing, you know, a little bit of that, that genre in, in, in the quiet and then house of wax and then into captivity and now into the cellar. And they're all so very different. Oh Yeah. They're all incredibly, incredibly different. And, yeah. um, before we before we get into all that, before we talk about the cellar, I'd really just like to know what your relationship to the horror genre has been like as a viewer. Do you remember your earliest memory of being impacted by a horror film and what that was like for you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think. How can you forget? I mean, I I was 13 and it was like one of the first probably the first sleepovers I ever had as a kid. So, uh, you know with all my, you know, girlfriends and, you know, someone ends up with a horror film and we probably shouldn't be watching it. And anyway, that film was fire in the sky. Oh, wow. I mean, I thought I was going to be abducted by aliens for about five years. (laughs) I thought the light that that fire was going to come take my ass up into the space. I thought I was going to get needles in my eyes that's a soundbite, but I, you know, I, like what I, that movie was ridiculous. And then anything that starts with based on a true story, yeah, that element too, that element was like, and at 13, my imagination, my, I never understood the, I mean, I knew ET, but I was like, uh, uh, you know, the concept that, that, that just blew my mind blew my mind. I was traumatized for a while. So that was the introduction to, that was the first one that really got me. And then I was kind of, you know, afraid for a while to even venture into seeing any more horror films for a really, really long time. But it also kind of sparked this curiosity with the whole sci-fi world. And actually to this day, I love sci-fi films like Contact, Dune, all, I'm like die hard love and i don't know maybe it's that that thing that's like 
that where it all started with like fire in the sky and this like the idea of the unknown, you know, and what's out there. And we're not alone. And it's like, wow, it just blew my mind. Wow. Leo, you had a question about fire in the sky. Yeah, seeing as you just mentioned that, did you ever look into the story of the the real person, the Travis Walton, uh, who experienced uh, those things? Because just, no. I mean, just yesterday, the U.S. Re- uh, released this like fifteen hundred pages about not just the UFO sightings, but what these people have experienced in terms of like physical, like you know, uh, like burns and stuff like that. So it's like right. now it's documented by the U.S. government. It's no longer like he said, she said. <laughs> so freaking around. Oh have you like? <laughs> you, you look into the uh, Travis Walton story? No, but I'm going to now. I have to. I have to. I have to see everything about it. I didn't even know. I, it didn't even dawn on me to kind of go back. I've actually been really afraid. It probably looks kind of because what that movie was in the eighties. No, ninety. I uh, know late eighties, nineties. I don't know. 90s. But it, I, yeah, I think nineties. Yeah. I don't know. Does it hold up? I mean, it probably looks silly now. I don't know. Maybe it doesn't. It was so scary. But I do remember him being taken and then like being like sort of tested on by these these extraterrestrials and then like kind of spit out naked and rode yeah and then like and then having to be in you know then he gets all like he he, he figures out where he is and then he makes a phone call in the phone booth and he's butt naked and he's like trying to make a call and it was like and then he had like he was so messed up after i'm like i'm recalling it right now i have to like is he still alive yes yeah, wow. and apparently his stories never changed, and they went through like lie detectors, all this stuff. So it's one of those most like one of the most compelling you know pieces of evidence ever. Documentation so, on it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Wow, that is mind blowing. I'm obsessed. I love it. Whoa. Wow. Well, there we go. Well, wow. that that said, as an actor, is there a particular I don't know performance or sequence from a horror or sci fi film or a thriller that has been particularly influential to you as a storyteller and something that taught you something from something you've seen like that. You know, movies are interesting in that they, you know, they're able to capture awe and wonder so well, like we don't get to live awe and wonder a lot in, in our real day-to-day lives. We tend to be, you know, busy, stressed out, but I'll remember, you know, Jodie Foster in contact Mm -hmm. where she, you know, she's she takes that ride and 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 sort of the spaceship drops and obviously there's no time accounted for but then she goes on this really long journey and just that odd wonder of the unknown and just and and to see it and and she goes through like the black hole and then comes out and then she sees her father and oh my god i just am obsessed with that i'm like i love that so so much yeah i just i love any time a movie can kind of make you go oh wow you know that just like I love that. I love that. Mm-hmm. So each time we, we mentioned it before at the top, like each time that you've played roles in the genre space, it's been unconventional and innovative. And we mentioned it earlier. One of the things that, that did that was, are you afraid of the dark? And that was even before goosebumps as far as a TV horror anthology for kids. What right. are your memories of being a part of something that was really so edgy and exciting at such a young age? Yeah, it was it was so much fun and it felt like kids camp because we what we would do is because we were the intro and outro for all the stories, we were able to condense all the intros, outros within a two week span. And we just hunkered down in the studio that was made to look like um, a forest. It was all uh, artificial 
And the, the fire itself was, you know, a little pyro thing that they could kind of raise and, and, you know, turn off and on. And so there was a lot of, a lot of TV magic in there, but, but, you know, with the campfire kids, the society that we were, the secret society was like, as actors, we really felt like we were like those society kids. Like we, we were just as excited and obsessed with the stories we were about to tell we were all laughing and having a great time, probably working way more than we should have been <laughs> back in the days. It was like a lot of over, probably a lot of overtime for child actors, but no, but we were loving it. We were having the, like a blast. It was, I just have such great memories about it. And, and, and just, and then we got to do the movie. We did like an, are you afraid of the dark movie, mm-hmm. which was really cool too. Um, then we really felt like we were big time. Yeah, that was uh, that was cool. But yeah, l- listen, I was a huge fan before I got on the show. So to be a part of the show after the fact was just a thrill. And I was like fangirling every day that I was there. I just I just wanted to do a good job and not get fired. I loved it. And throwing that throwing that like cool stuff into the fire and it, you know it was like very. I, I couldn't believe that I was there doing it. It was so fun. Oh, wow. And listen, we love Jom Collette Sarah and 2016's The Shallows and Orphan and, of course, 2005's House of Wax. It, here we have this big, beautiful Joel Silver, Robert Zemeckis production, uh, loosely based on the 1953 Vincent Price film. But yeah. here watching you bring this new story to life amidst this incredible set design where we get oh. an entire wax town was so right. original and it set the tone really for a whole new era of horror filmmaking. It really bridged the, that gap of slasher and splatter that was going on at the time that we hadn't seen before. And it changed literally everything that, that came after it. A couple key moments that we wanted to ask you about in particular, take us to the scene where you had your lips glued together and your fingers are through that grate, trying to get your brother's attention, orchestrating (laughs) that those moments of tension like that. What went into that one in particular? Well, I was never on the side of the finger cutting. That was obviously CGI and then um, someone underneath the grid, but obviously below the grid where the action was really kind of happening, man, some intense days, some really intense days. And we couldn't figure out how to do the lip gluing without making it look ridiculous because I had to be strained and uh, fighting for my life, but I had to somehow find a way to keep my mouth pride closed. So it just wasn't working. And I finally said to the props guys, I said, just get the glue, just get the real glue so that I can really, you know, find a way to do this. So we ended up really gluing my lips, not with crazy glue, but with something very, <laughs> something very similar Whoa. so that I could not pry them apart. Cause I really, I mean, it's like, Oh, look at me, method actor, but it was, there was no real other way to do it without it looking silly. Sure. So we really, we went for it and they, they, they ended up gluing it. They gave, they gave, um, the actor, like the actual stuff, he put it on. And we, in the close up, I was, it was, it was enough that it was keeping my mouth sealed as you can see. Cause I was like, I can't fake my lips sort of pulling and crying apart. So we just kind of went for it. And actually funny enough, poor Brian Van Holt, cause he 
he actually ended up hitting me, clipping my cheek with the backhand on one take. And I ended up had by mistake and he felt, he felt absolutely terrible, but I went, I was fine, but he, he caught me a little bit. And that was the first time I've ever been hit in the face. Oh my God. Oh wow. My yeah, it was intense, but you know what? It was a really intense two days, but we got it done. And like now when you watch it, it's just, I feel like, thank God we went for it. Cause it really does. It really does play now. And, and what, you know, the director was able to like get up close and really have a shot of that. And yeah, it's sort of like amazing now to look back on it, but yeah, went for it. Definitely went for it. Oh my God. And in terms yeah. of, in terms of execution, how was the scene done where the entire house of wax melts and you guys are ripping through the walls. And at one point you're falling oh. along with the sign and all the fires going on. How was that built? The boo crew will be right back. All residents are advised to remain in their homes, keeping their doors and windows securely fastened. Police still offer no explanation for the series of five deaths which occurred early today. You are cordially invited on an excursion into fear. One step beyond terror with It's Alive. It's Alive. To science, a baffling enigma. To the police, a total mystery. To the innocent, certain death. It's not an animal! It kills like an animal. And when we find it, it'll have to be destroyed like one. It's alive. And remember, it's deadly. It's alive from Warner Brothers. In color. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. was this scene done where the entire house of wax melts and you guys are ripping through the walls and at one point you're falling oh. along with the sign and all the fires going on how was that built i'm telling you it was like this movie was so rock star like like i gotta say the the budget and like obviously like that joel silver standard it was it was so epic on so many levels Every stage and set, the walls were really, like, you know, pliable and melting. And we had fire and we had, I mean, we were really, Chad Michael Murray and I were really running through the muck. I don't know what it was, what it consisted of. I mean, technically, but we were really in it and doing it. And that whole town was built out in Australia for I don't even know how much money. I don't know what they spent on that, but that was a real legit um, town that was built out of wax. I mean, maybe like the facade itself. I mean, the, the backsides of them, not so much, but the full thing. I mean, I couldn't believe it. It was some of the most incredible sets I'd ever seen. And we had extras that were done up for hours in like wax faces and just incredible, incredible art and, and, and talent that went into making that film I'm telling you, it was like nothing I've ever done before. And, and since it was, it was on an epic scale. One more film we got to hit before we get into the cellar. And that's uh, 
Roland Jaffe, who did the multi-Oscar winning The Killing Fields and Fat Man and Little Boy with Paul Newman. So he pairs with Larry Cohen, who wrote and directed classics from the 70s and 80s, like It's Alive and the Stuff and all these incredible genre picks. And they collaborate on this gore-soaked, torture porn nightmare film called Captivity in 2007, putting you, I swear, in one of the most intense roles Ever And I, I think a, a film that gets nowhere near enough credit for how absolutely insane and visceral it is. I mean, there's exploding dogs. You're getting buried alive in sand. I would love to hear just a little bit about how you got involved in that insanity. Yeah, you know, that was a tough one. That was a tough one. I, I, you know, I went into it with Roland and Roland and I really we hit it off. I mean, he's a like you said, he's a. A, a award-winning director and uh, incredible man. And we had such vision for the film and it really went through an overhaul after we were finished filming because right around the same time, it was more of a psychological thriller actually to start. It wasn't so gore crazy at the, at the beginning in, in, in its first um, in its first form. And so after the fact around that time, saw had come out and the first saw, and I mean, it was, massive, massive success, as you guys know, clearly. And I think when ours sort of finished production and went into editing, Lionsgate, I think, took a look at it and went, it might be, it may not hit the way we want it to hit. And I think we should up the ante a bit and and bring it to that sort of saw level. Mm. And so we ended up getting like a massive rewrite on the script and we ended up getting back from Russia from filming it and ended up shooting 30 more pages in LA that ended up meshing into the actual original film. So, yeah. So we, we, you know, for me, you know, there's some great moments in the movie, but for me, it felt really difficult because it was like two separate films smashed together. And for me, maybe I think because of that, a lot of people, like you said, it doesn't get a lot of recognition, but I, I think people can feel that there was a mashup there that maybe didn't quite flow the way it should have. But yeah, I mean, I think there's some great crazy moments in there, like some iconic things where you're like, wow, that was wild. <laughs> yeah, like being force I fed mean, that milkshake <laughs> through a funnel. Yeah, oh like, I mean, that's the thing. Like, I think there was wow. part of me that I was like, I guess there's an audience for this, but it was just sort of not what I had originally signed on to do. But you know sure. what? I, I've spoken to so many actors over the years um, you know, and they've said, listen, we all have movies like that. We all have, you know, not, they don't all flow and go as well as we think they're going to go. And they all sometimes, you know, they have transformations and there's always a few in your, in your career, they're not always going to be perfect. And so you find the good in them and you, and you move forward. But that, that was a, that was a tough one to do, but, but man, Roland is amazing. And, and, um, yeah, it was, it was still, it was still an interesting experience for me. Mm, It's still one of our faves. So we're going to get into the seller. So this is a completely different role this time around and a lot of very like dramatic nuance that hinges on emotion you bring as this mother who's already kind of going through the loss of connection with her daughter through the beginning of her teen years and then there's this mysterious disappearance what excited you about the opportunity to explore those feelings as an actor well i was a really i was a big fan i brendan this film started as a short called the 10 steps and um our director brendan um did a beautiful job of that so i got to see that before i read the script and then i read the script and i felt like wow he really found a way to create a full feature out of this 
idea and then added so many amazing layers with mathematics. And like I said, I love that sort of sci-fi sort of stuff. And then, so it really made sense to me. And I had never tackled something that was so atmospheric, like you, you said in the beginning, because it's a real slow build to where the movie ends up taking you and then has a really interesting twist that I didn't see coming, which knocked my socks off. So I think those things made me interested on top of the fact that here I am at this stage in my career, a real mother of two mm-hmm. reading about a woman who's a mother of two going to the ends of the earth to, to, to save her children. And um, I thought, yeah, it's time, you know, that's t- it's time for me to do that. Speaking of that dynamic, what Abby Fitz brings during that initial scene with you on the first phone call and those tears as she sees what it is she yeah. sees, that's a very yeah. powerful moment. How did you create that? What surprised you about how it played out in post-production when you got to watch both sides of that phone call and that magic? Well, I always like to do, and this comes from my 24 days and, you know, Kiefer Sutherland, all credit to him. Whenever we had phone conversations on that show, we would always be present for them and not have someone else read. Sure. So you, if you weren't working that day, you'd have to come in and, oh, and do that side. Very cool. So, oh, wow. Yeah. So I've kind of like, if I can, I try to keep that. And especially with Abby, I, you know, I had mentioned to her, listen, um, you know, when I, when you do your side of it in the house, I'll be there and I'll be off camera for you so that, you know, you get the full performance and, you know, it's very, that, that was a five, six page scene that had a lot of timing and a lot of beats. So I was like, wanted to be present for that. And I said, and if you would come in for mine, I, you know, I would really appreciate it. And it turns out my scene side of it came first, which was great. So she was able to like, sort of give me what she was going to do later down the road in the filming process. So there was no surprises because the thing is there could be a disconnect there as well. Cause my performance, if she goes bigger or lower or does something different, my call could be either muted or too much. So it really, it, it really was important to know how we were going to communicate and be in person for that. So that, I think that helps the scene. Yeah, no, for sure. That's funny you say that. It's very, uh, this movie's set up very intimately in the way that the sequences are very clean and meaningful. And it, it, uh, it gives you a chance to spar one on one with a variety of different characters. You get yeah. some great scenes with Tara Lee, with Mary Mullen, with Aaron Monaghan, yeah. all really different energies that you're playing off of. Did any of those yeah. scenes bring out something in your performance that wasn't expected just due to the chemistry? Yeah. You know, Aaron, Aaron, who played Dr. Fernay in, mm-hmm. in the movie, um, I mean, some of that stuff got cut down, but I mean, we, we had a full day together to just tackle that scene, uh, in his office and he's so brilliant. I mean, he's a, he's more of a theater actor and he's just a, and a brilliant actor for film, but, um, yeah, he brought out some really cool vibes for that character specifically. And I remember going, wow, I wasn't expecting that. So it's sort of, it gave that kind of cool dynamic between the two of us. I really like that moment in the movie a lot. And yeah. And, 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 you know, to just really make something of the atmosphere when we were doing it, you mm-hmm. know, walking down the stairs, trying to get down to the cellar, all those scary moments where you're like, nothing is being said, but everything is happening. Really just trying to find the beauty of that. Cause I think the film is visually really stunning too. You know, the house, the house itself is its its own character. It's so to be able to sort of, you know, spar with that, you know, and, and, and the house and, and myself and the sort of the juxtaposition and, 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 you know, where we were at in the house, you know, that was really, really exciting. 
yeah, this film has great atmosphere and build up with mathematical clues and symbology. Working with director uh, Brendan on this film, what was the most challenging scene to shoot? Hmm. The most challenging. You know, the whole movie, it's so weird because the whole movie really went so smoothly. Uh, I think that the most, the challenging part was we had to do it within the constraints of COVID. Right. You know, that, that really felt like the challenge. Um, but Brennan's like, he, he, he's so like, he wouldn't even like hang out after set. I mean, he would, his set lists and shot lists and like, he was so just in it and so focused and knew every detail. The great thing about working with a director who's written the script too, is that they understand it in such a way that you know you can't even fathom i mean so you, like when you talk when you break down anytime i had a question about well how does that mathematically stack up to sort of the symbols above the door and he'd go well here's the here's the chart here's how it's all gonna piece together yeah like he had the language down like he had the math language down so it was really interesting and really easy for that because any question you had i mean he had researched so much into trying to make like i said trying to make that short film into a uh, full feature so and then, so you mentioned the house. So it is a practical, actual set in Ross Commons. You can stay there. Yeah. <laughs> is it an Airbnb oh, wow. or something or what? Yeah. Yeah. You can actually go there and stay there. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. It's amazing. I mean, it's centuries <sighs> old. I mean, some of the Kings of Ireland were there and um, the memorabilia in that house, like I was saying, your background is like giving me so many vibes from that. Cause <laughs> literally the art on the walls and like, the, it was just such a crazy, amazing place. And we stayed right there on the property. Oh, you did? Wow. Of, yeah, because oh. of COVID, we couldn't go and stay anywhere else. So we stayed at the house. And um, so that just added a whole other level of, you know, craziness. I mean, that's why I said to, to shoot this film at the height of COVID and to be in this bubble with this group of people making this 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 genre film was like nuts. It'll never happen again for me ever again. Leo, you had a great question about the third act, which <laughs> yeah, blew, blew our act, fucking some, minds. That third yeah, act. <laughs> there, yeah. there are some great, uh, really cool scenes involving the steps and the tunnels, uh, which seem to go on forever and ever. Were those like set pieces or were they built for post-production like visual effects? There was very little. There was very little effects. We actually shot in Russia and these in Russia. Oh my God. I'm thinking of captivity now when we, we did the catacomb, there, there's these like at this provincial or this crazy park, they had underground catacomb tunnels in Ireland, um, just outside of Ross common that we could shoot in. And they were the real deal. Like when you see me sort of walking down those long, damp sort of dingy tunnels that that was actually set and it was freezing cold. And it was because, you know, that, you know, damp, it, like it gets into your bones. Yeah. It was yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. They're really tough. It was, those were really tough days, but really worth it because they look amazing. And then the steps were a, a segment of real steps built, um, set built, and then they extended them on through CGI. And then some of the doors and things like that. So it was, it was a combination. It was a combination, but I would say probably, you know, 75% of it was actual location. 
Wow. Oh my God. Wow, that's that's cool. incredible. The thing, I think yeah. the thing we love most about this movie is one of those things where, you know, like they say, a, a great hit song is only good if you could play it in the kitchen with an acoustic guitar. It's kind of like this movie. You could tell the story of this movie around a campfire and it would still just, just without any effects or anything, just the story alone is creepy and scary enough to get you just like right invested in it. It's so yeah. magic. It's so great. You know, the director always says, you know, I think because we keep going, why, why do we, why does horror always keep playing on the house on the house on the haunted house and it keeps becoming you know it, it doesn't die and i think it's because that's the place where we should feel most comfortable and most safe and so when anything like that sort of tilts that theory or that idea it's so unnerving and you just can't help but know how that would feel if the place that you're supposed to be most safe is the most dangerous, you know? Oh, it's the best, Alicia. Well, listen, thank you so much for your time and for your continued, incredibly inspired work and for the seller in theaters and uh, Shutter April 15th. Yay! Thank you so much! Thank you, guys! (laughs) Incredible! That was great. You guys are amazing. Uh, you're amazing. Hey, that was the Boot Crew Podcast, episode 314. Special thanks to the tremendous Alicia Cuthbert. At time of release, her new film, The Cellar, is in theaters and on Shutter April 15th. Production tracks for this one provided by Powerman 5000. Till next time, this is Trev for the Boot Crew saying, sweet screams. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Boo Crew Podcast. Haunt the Boo Crew at TalesFromTheBooCrew.com Tales from the Boo Crew on Facebook and Instagram. Follow us on Twitter at TalesFromTheBoo. The Boo Crew is Lauren and Trevor Shand and Leone D'Antonio. The Boo Crew is produced by Lauren Shand, chopped and sliced by Trevor Shand. The Boo Crew is a TSP creation, part of the bloody disgusting podcast network. Bye! A bloody disgusting podcast network, home of the Boo Crew, horror-centric interviews, SCP archives, weekly full-cast storytelling, horror queers, genre commentary from an LGBTQ perspective, and creepy, or disturbing and terrifying creepypastas. Listen free wherever you stream audio and at bloodydisgusting.com slash podcasts.